0: this sermon is brought to you by shofar christian church we hope that you will be blessed by this message our audio and video sermons are also available on shofar tv to download and share hallelujah it's great to see some of you and um to see some people are fresh this morning and uh, fortunately there's some a little bit of a cold breeze going through i trust you had a great week it's nice to see some some faces and uh, just walking through the car and the cars, it's um—it's amazing. Some of you can open up your windows and some of you must keep your windows closed because the angels will direct those beautiful voices up to heaven. You know, I, I sing with a closed window because I don't want to be a disturbance when I um, when I sing out loud for the Lord. That's why shower time is a great time to worship. But there's some beautiful voices going out uh, to, as we worship the Lord. So I want to just uh, encourage you. Uh, in this time not to be silent, um, especially in worship and praising the Lord. Uh, let's let's sing out loud, you know. Um, I remember actually a couple of years ago, just like 12 or 15 years ago, my, my grandparents took us to a drive in church. So there's some good memories, um, but I never knew why my grandma said, you know, just look at the screen, don't look at the car next to you, because I remember some people later on, I discovered, uh, they took their girlfriends to the drive-in, um, and so they have other memories of that, but uh, we are here to worship the Lord, amen? And uh, it's just great to to sort of have, for the older people here, a bit of nostalgia. Is that an English word, huh? Brian, is that an English word? Nostalgia. Nostalgiaism. Okay, but in any case, <clears throat> let's go. You know what a what a privilege to be able to worship the Lord. We're busy with this series, and we're sort of finishing off with this series in Matthew six, our word for the year, which uh, will be challenged. Remember, at the beginning of the year, you must trust the Lord for a word for every year. Just say, Lord, what's on your heart for me and for my family this year? Um, And then you must know that sometimes that word will also be tested. You know, Um, and our word is um, we believe in Matthew six verse twenty eight to thirty three, but especially in verse 33 uh, from verse 32 we can read for after all these things the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things God knows that we need all these things but for you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you so it's in the context of fear worrying Especially about earthly things. And then he says, your father knows. I've been thinking, you know, that one of the names of the devil is the father of lies. So we have the father of truth, our true father in, father in heaven. And then we have the father of lies. And so, uh, do you know that lies can also, and fear can give you a sense of security. It uh, sort of distracts you. It makes you focus on the wrong thing. So the devil always... Uh, also tries to be the father in your life, but it's a wrong father because he comes to take, he comes to steal, he comes to destroy through his lies, through his fears, through um, bringing anxiety over your life of what's going to happen in the future. And so, so Jesus started Matthew 6 with the Our Father prayer. Uh, he was talking in Matthew 5 and 6 about a lot of principles and values and things we can live by. And yeah, in Matthew 6 at, at the end, he sort of says like, hey, the, the vaccine, the, the thing that will boost your immune system uh, against worries, against fears, um, against intimidation is simply to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we saw over the past couple of weeks, it's an imperative word, meaning that that seeking. Uh, once you find, you're going to seek more to find more, to seek more, to find more to, more, to seek more, to find more. Never, never stop seeking, never stop finding, never stop seeking, never stop finding. Because the more you seek, the more you find, the more you find, the more you seek. And so, <clears throat> so it's such a beautiful thing that the kingdom of God is is not like the kingdoms of this world. And we're going to see that a little bit later. But we seek the kingdom of God and we seek His righteousness together, not the one or the other, because there's a big kingdom theology that says God is going to rule on the earth right now. But we know our kingdom and God's kingdom works differently. It's an eternal kingdom. And so the second scripture in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So that word for observation is almost like the picture where a doctor is looking for symptoms of a suspected disease in your life. He's studying, he's looking for a visible display. So he says like, you know, most doctors here, like Dr. there at the back, when you go to the doctor, they ask you, what's the symptoms? What's wrong with you? Uh, what are you experiencing at the moment? Because they're trying to get to the root of the thing, you know. So they say, like, maybe you're sneezing, maybe you, you know. Uh, so he's checking the symptoms to try and get to the root. But scripture says, and Jesus said, hey, you, the kingdom doesn't come like that. The kingdom doesn't like go go here or go there or see here. It doesn't come firstly with visible attributes or visible things that happen in your life. He says the kingdom come." Firstly, in your heart, it's within you. It's a a heart transformation. It's a heart that grows hungry for God, that surrenders to God, that that changes um, as you go. And so I remember this week I got a WhatsApp from a guy that was here, I think, what was the year? 2005. He was a student and he was here in Wilkenhof residence and, um, you know, just hearing his testimony. But he went to class. Um, every day with a half jacket of brandy in his pocket, and uh, because he couldn't he couldn't go through a day of class without drinking at least between every second class or period of you know studying Yeah, And so at the end of his second year, middle th- third year, he really had an encounter with Jesus, and his whole life was transformed. He became the biggest, Alcoholic. I was always joking with him. I said, "Say his name is um, Johannes." I said, "Johannes, now you've been drinking a lot, but now you are so hungry for God and so thirsty. You, you know, what the devil came to steal. You, you had a big capacity to drink. You just drank in the wrong way. You know. So now you have to be hungry and thirsty for God and drink of the Lord. Yeah. And it's so amazing. He's got kids now and he's serving the Lord fully and he's There's just no compromise in his life, you know. But thinking, how does a life change like that? Not on the outside, not on just um, a mere set of rules or things. Because we can try to change our lives on the outside. But it's only an encounter with God that can change your life on the inside. It's when this heart is transformed. Amen? But thank you for those amens. Okay, So, so, so that's the kingdom that we belong to. And my question this morning... And I believe the Lord has asked me that question the past two weeks is, how great is our King, especially in this time that we live? Do you know that every person in the Bible had an encounter with God? And sometimes we settle for being an unbelieving believer, meaning that we say, yeah, 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 the supernatural is just for those people. You know, I'm not so spiritual. I don't really believe in these things. And, um, you know, I sort of leave it for the prophetic people, the the Timnas of this world and the people that dance in front in worship. But but I'm not like that, you know. I'm not like a super spiritual person that prophesies, you know, and preaches at my dog and do all that stuff, you know. Um, but never settle for the lie of, you know, saying that dignity and the fact that you're an introvert doesn't mean you cannot have an encounter with God. Every Person in the Bible, what changed their lives was not a knowledge impact or a thing on the outside, but where they met with Jesus, where they met with the Father, and it's a supernatural thing. Whether it was Noah or Abraham or David or whoever it was, you you don't have anyone in the Bible that didn't have a transformation of their heart because of an encounter with God before knowledge, before all of these things. And I want to want to sort of challenge us. You know, don't settle. For your life and your relationships without asking god just for the norm without asking god to say lord i want your kingdom to come uh, but that means that hey, it's not it not doesn't start here it starts in your heart doesn't start in your head so can um, you just turn to your neighbor in your car and say i like that smile on your face you're looking uh, good if there's no one there then turn to your steering wheel and say you look around okay but in any case or something so <clears throat> So where, where does this kingdom start? You know, the, don't say to the person, you look around, that's not a good word. You know, I said the steering wheel. Corey, you must sort out these people. Hello, Corey. Okay, so the message of the king. There's a message of the kingdom. And Mark chapter 1 verse 14 to 16 says this. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. The gospel of the kingdom and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel repent and believe it's repentance restoration healing deliverance it's all part of this kingdom of god that's the message of the king and you know we're going into times and we are probably in times where uh, a lot of christians are not realizing the challenges coming upon the church and if we're going to be silent you know then we're going to get into trouble you know, when the voice of the church is silent, there's a lot of trouble happening in the world out there. And we're gonna we're gonna look at that right at the end. But there's a message, and that message is God's kingdom, and we adhere to a different kingdom. And so I, I wanna encourage you when you get into your workplace, just close your door tomorrow morning, you know, of your office, if you have an office, or just say, Lord, let your kingdom come. It's it's just amazing, you know, this there's a a a guy in church here with us and his wife dreamt a a dream two or three weeks ago because they're not south africans they're foreigners and so he told the story because he sort of doesn't always believe in dreams and but then his wife dreamt a dream that their child's visa expires you know and so they thought it's at the end of the year and it's just amazing she went and she checked and she realized like (laughs) oh The visa already expired at the beginning of this year, and then through a lot of miracles, you know, they within a week, the, the next day as they prayed, the government announced that it's now, they're giving time till end of February for people to to still um, apply for these visas. Um, and he said it would have cost him probably 400,000 Rand with attorneys and all that stuff if his wife didn't dream that dream. Yeah. So I'm saying like, hallelujah, the Lord will even help you in your practical life. Amen. He will, he will show you things because, hey, <clears throat> I believe every believer must be two steps ahead of the devil. You know, but if we just settle for second best, and I want to encourage us, especially in this time, before you go to bed, say, Lord, speak to me because my spirit is alive and you are alive 24-7. You know? when I'm in deep snoring land like Urich you know, then, then it's amazing, you know, that's wonderful rest. But your spirit is still alive. Let God speak to you, you know, and ask Him. But if we don't ask, we will not receive. Say, God, speak to me because I'm, I'm part of a kingdom that is so different. It's not a kingdom of this world. And that's why scripture says, believe in the gospel. Believe in this kingdom that God brings in our lives. The second scripture is uh, found in Romans 1, 17 to 18. It's a scripture that we know very well and uh, let's read from verse 16 paul writes he says for i'm not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god to salvation for everyone who believes for the jew first and also for the greek and so normally we stop there we say yeah yeah paul said i am not ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ and he's saying and speaking this into a culture where there's a lot of shame do you know shame says that I am wrong guilt says i've done wrong but when we're ashamed of the gospel it means like we don't find our identity in it we're not saying we're truly sons of god and daughters of god because then sometimes we're still distracted by the world and we're trying to find our identity in the world but paul says i am not ashamed of the gospel gospel because i've discovered it to be the power of god unto salvation and then Verse 17 is is actually the follow on. It's with the scripture. It's not just that first verse where people stand up and say, hey, I'm not ashamed. It says, in it, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So you cannot really have the revelation of the righteousness of God in your life and through your life in this world without breaking the power of shame. Without speaking the gospel of Christ, without knowing the power of God unto salvation. So there must be power in what you believe. There must be power in your relationship. And maybe it's something small, maybe it's something big, but don't settle for a powerless gospel because then it's not the gospel. Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. You know, and um, sometimes we base our relationship on God based on our experiences and especially the negative ones and I know sometimes we pray and we say like yeah I prayed and that person died I prayed and that person it didn't work out you know they went to Smith Wigglesworth and said to Smith Smith this is amazing in your ministry at least 50 people rose from the dead you know what's the key he said, well, um, if you prayed for so many dead corpses like I did, then at least some of them must raise from the dead. Okay, So Smith didn't stop praying. He didn't stop believing. He didn't stop trusting God. But when we become unbelieving believers, the power of the gospel goes out the door. Yeah? When we don't acknowledge Jesus as a healer, do you know what? He can't heal in your life. When we don't acknowledge God as the one who's come to set the captives free. So I'm praying. I say, Lord, I want to walk on water. And um, I don't bath often. Many of you know that. You know, shower because when you bath, sorry, ladies, you lie in your own dirt. You know, but when I bath, when I go to the sea, I say like, like you, I'm going to walk on water. Because hey, I read it in scripture, not because I want to run after that. But Lord, I say, Lord, everything in this book, I want it in my life. I'm hungry. I'm seeking the kingdom. And yeah, I want to especially talk to uh, older Christians. You know, why do we lose that seeking? Why do we lose that hunger? Well, simply sometimes because of the distractions in this world, the issues of this world, and especially in our culture, the busyness of this world. But it says here, in, it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, meaning that you're going to grow in faith, but next year you should grow more in faith you should grow more from glory to glory from strength to strength from faith to faith so I want, I want to encourage you don't let your faith be shipwrecked don't let your faith be just going down the drain you know and then verse 18 it says for the wrath of god is revealed it's all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men." Suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So there's a there's a side of God where you and I also, yes, we know the power of the gospel, but we also begin to hate what God hates. Never the person, but we hate the sin. We hate what God, what when there's unrighteousness and injustice around us when people are being destroyed or people are being lied to or things are happening there's the wrath of god that's revealed in our hearts where you become jealous over what god is doing in other people's lives do you know that god is a jealous god a good jealousy amen not a bad jealousy of competition and striving but he's a jealous god he's jealous over your life and he's jealous over my life what you and i do with our time with our lives he's a Jealous God and He's watching over you, and and we should also, as the community of believers, become a godly jealousy over like, hey, if you're if you're a guy and there's single ladies in the church, we should protect them, we should pray for them, we should like bless them and honor them. I mean, all the ladies, you can oot now, you know, because they're your sister and they're your brother, you know lose we all lose you know that's what this what the community of god is about but where we become jealous about the work of god in each other's lives but a a godly jealousy you know um i told the story before but one of the one of the days a, a, a young man came to deliver a package there at our home for one of my daughters i've never seen the guy before but apparently I got the package, but I never opened the door. Um, I, I I didn't greet the guy properly. Um, he he left again. He he was never allowed over the front door, you know. And um and then I realized like there's this thing in my heart to protect. There's this thing in my heart to say who are you, you know? Your spring chicken, little whatever. There was lots of thoughts going through my head, you know. But apparently he didn't wasn't allowed into the home. Um, because there was another person standing there to protect my daughters, you know, and and he was quite well dressed, you know, but he didn't have the right. Uh, <clears throat> he didn't speak in Old King James, so um, so he was not <laughs> he was not allowed into the house. You know, I was um, I was quite in trouble after that, you know, because apparently you know the guy didn't want to come back again. But so, um, uh, but good so good so you know, <clears throat> but you know every father or mother. You know that heart to protect you know that heart to say like hey I'm not going to allow nonsense close to me and you know God feels the same about your life and this is a word for some people that feel maybe a bit vulnerable or you feel like sure I've been hurt or God doesn't fight for me. I want to tell you God will fight for you. God will do what no one else will do if you just allow him and say Lord in this space. I want you to reveal your righteousness, reveal your justice. But then there's also a place where we as the church begin to say that for those who are vulnerable. You know, the Bible says good religion. Do you know this? Good religion is to look after the orphans, to look after the widows. I want to tell all the young people here, you need to look after the widows in church and the older people. We need to look after the people that are struggling or the orphans. You know, that's why we are building a relationship with places like live village and that stuff because it's our responsibility you can't say it's the churches because i pay my tithes no it's your responsibility that's good religion before god why because of the justice the place you know if we talk about human trafficking you must have a heart for those who are being human trafficked and pray and say god expose that nonsense why because we begin to hate what god hates i mean can i get an amen so there's a, there's a side of God that sometimes we don't want to know, but it's the side, the real Father that wants to protect, the real Father that wants to fight. And he wants to use his church not to like fight physically, but fight spiritually because we know our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the rulers of this dark age. Okay, so here comes the last scripture. Just greet somebody next to you and say, hey, we're going somewhere and we're going fast. I'm not talking about the car you're driving in, we're talking about the scriptures, okay? So I saw some people wanted to start and and drive. Great stuff. So before we get to the last scripture, I want you to think of one thing, one injustice in this world that we're living in. And I want you in your car to tell the person next to you and then I want you to pray for it. Maybe it's like child trafficking, maybe it's orphans, maybe it's the poor. Maybe it's just, you know, many people that are wasting their lives in the pubs and in alcohol or vulnerable mothers. Whatever it is, one one thing that that sort of stirs your heart. And I'm going to give you two minutes to pray with those people in your car for that one cause, that one thing that is challenging you or that you think if I can make a difference, it it must be in this area. This is the area that God stirs me in. So I'm going to give you two minutes to do that quickly. hallelujah you know what what i'm not promoting this morning is that we all become social justice burst people and go out there with placards and and do things in the flesh but you should allow god to stir in your heart a heart that is after him, and that means you know we pray this prayer. We say, "Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours." You, that's a that's a scary prayer to pray. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours, and um, you know most Christians today, their prayer life, everything they do is just around themselves. Oh Lord, please give me this Lord please I need a breakthrough. Lord I want you to prosper me. Lord, what's the next thing yeah Lord show me your will Lord and and yet there's so many things in Scripture that already shows God's will to us. you don't need, actually need to pray about it something like being baptized. the Bible doesn't say, you don't you don't no need to pray to be baptized. <laughs> scripture says repent and be baptized yeah uh, I can't I, I don't need to pray about things God has already told me to do but sometimes, we use excuses not to get involved in areas because we say, like, "Hey, that's not my anointing. That's not what God has called me for to pack the chairs." You know, um, I'm 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 more I'm more like a like a restaurant type of person. You know, that's where my ministry is. Yeah, but um, we cannot use excuses for things that God has told all Christians to do, even pray. You know, some people say, like. I, I'm not an intercessor, yeah. I'm um, I'm I'm not really into this intercession thing. But all Christians should pray, yeah. It's it's part of your life. It's it's part part of part of breathing, yeah. Uh, it's it should be just the basics of who we are, and that's why your prayer life, and especially what you pray for, will show me whether you are a mature Christian or not. Can I, can I say it again? <laughs> Maturity is measured by what you pray for, when you pray, or if you pray. And so if 80% of your prayer life is for the kingdom of God and for other things, then I think you're a mature Christian. And I'm not trying to judge anyone, but we, we all pray. And you know, They say the American Christians, they pray mostly about things just for themselves. Lord, give me comfort. Lord, give me breakthrough. And that's what the prosperity gospel, you know, just kills the life of the Holy Spirit and the heart of God because it says it's just pray about yourself. Just pray about how big your calling is. Pray about your next breakthrough. But if we want to tap into the heart of God, we begin to know that He's also a righteous judge. He's also one that brings the freedom and then the power of God begins to manifest in our lives. And so this last scripture is a, is a scripture where Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy was at the Ephesian church and a uh, great, great, lots of churches in that area. They were very intellectual, very uh, philosophical in their pursuit of God. And Timothy was a young guy. So um, he was one of the leaders now of the church. And Paul said to him, hey, Timothy, be bold. Go for it, you know. <laughs> and uh And Timothy, I can just imagine Timothy waking up. I remember the first time when I preached. I was still working. It was in nineteen ninety-seven. The first time I preached in show for ninety-six or ninety-seven. And um Anton was still there and Louis and Liesel and some some of the golden oldies, Anton and Christelle. I see them at the back and Louis and Liesel. But I remember I now it was my sermon the Sunday and and uh, Fred still asked me to to preach. I was I was like just starting to work and there was all these like big people in church not like physically big big like spiritually big and i was thinking like whoa you know." and so that monday i thought i had the sermon uh <clears throat> but it tuesday the sermon changed wednesday i didn't sleep thursday i didn't sleep friday i didn't sleep properly you know because i thought like wow what am i gonna say to these people you know because they all sat there in the front row that sunday i I probably went to the toilet 400 times can you go so many times in one week you know but in any case don't let your imagination go too far but i um i was so tense you know uh, the first time and then i remember the saturday i just put on the worship music because if all else fails just worship okay just just don't focus on yourself so i just decided i'm gonna just worship the whole day so I was lying on the floor, and then the, the Lord said to me something so powerful. He says, why are you trying to impress people? Why are, you, why are you settling for the fear of man? Because it's my word that you are speaking. And my word is truth. Reinhard Bunker said it, he says, God's word in your mouth is like God's word in his mouth. So when you speak the word of God, it's God's word. It's like god speaking it and that that really meant so much to me because i realized like i have a spiritual authority and it's not about what people say but i need to once i'm settled in my identity i need to step up into my authority and there's one thing you remember of this morning god is waiting for you to step up into the spiritual authority of who you are in christ god is waiting for the church in the west to step up into our authority he said, I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy and by no means will they hurt you. But if we are a passive church, if we are a church that allows to be intimidated by what's happening through COVID and what things around us, we lose our spiritual authority. It's like the salt. He says, if you lose your saltiness, you're thrown outside and trample on underfoot by the world by men and so the church in the west is under great challenges and I call it a spirit of intimidation it's that that thing that wants us to draw back and so Paul writes here and we actually quote the scripture wrongly many times in 2nd Timothy 1 verse 6 to 7 it says therefore I remind you Timothy to stir up or fan the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands there's a gift inside of you and Timothy, Paul and these guys laid hands on Timothy and prophesied over Timothy and says, Timothy, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. The right word is actually a spirit of timidity, cowardice, and intimidation. But he's given you a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind or self-discipline. Do you know what a spirit of intimidation does? It takes you away from your authority, from the position God has given you. If I want to intimidate you, I come like, make myself bigger. I make myself like a roaring lion. Make a lot of noise, that's what the devil does, to intimidate you. It's intimidation and cowardice, the fruit is cowardice, but intimidation is much different than just fear. Fear is about your circumstance, fear is about what can go wrong in your life. But if somebody intimidates you, that person intimidates you to get control over your life, to control your faith, to control your authority, to control your identity. And so what happened here, this was actually in the church where Paul writes to them and he says, hey, hey. God has not given you a spirit of fear and intimidation. And you need to stir up the gift inside of you. You need to realize that you need to step up because God is really waiting for us. We're not waiting for God. And so this morning I want to challenge us. But you have certain giftings. You have certain, maybe it's a leadership skill. Maybe it's a prophecy. But don't be intimidated by what's happening around you. Because the devil wants to steal your authority in Christ, my authority, and especially the church's authority. And you know, I'm going to say it again. I said it last week. But you know what? This whole lockdown and the fact that we cannot have religious gatherings is all designed to intimidate the church, to get control. Maybe you don't like what I'm saying, but there's a lot of Christians that are drawing back they've lost their fight because they discouraged they tired and it's not going to stop until you step into your authority (laughs) until you start to pray walk your neighborhood and say father it's not in my own strength but it's in the kingdom and in the righteousness of christ it's not into being passive it's not time for the church now to be passive and that's what paul writes to timothy says timothy don't be intimidated Timothy, stir up the gift. I want to encourage you. And that's why we need to encourage each other. I want to know your homework for this week is to send a WhatsApp to people around you in your small group. Say, hey, I remember you have this gift. And I want to encourage you. Use the gift. Stir up. Fan the flame inside of you. Yeah? Because there's a lot of people that are very tired. There's been a lot of things coming against you, maybe physically. Physically. But you know what god god will fight the battle belongs to the lord but you have to take your little stones like david and run against that goliath and then you say i don't come to you goliath in my own strength but i come to you in the name of the lord of the hosts of heaven amen because because david saw how big god was over goliath Don't look at Goliath. He wants to intimidate you. That's exactly what he wanted to do. Just say, Oh, who are you? Nobody. You know, you're just like this small guy. What have you got to give here? And then he says, I don't come to you. I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts of the armies of heaven. My prayer is that the church in the West, our eyes will open up to see how big God is. We will see where God is moving, what He's doing. God is always at move. His kingdom is always coming, and it starts in our hearts, but then it starts to ordinary people like you and I. So don't be intimidated by the lies and the father of the lies in your own life because he, he wants you to have security in what goes wrong in your life or what you can't do or what giftings you don't have. You know, because we, we sometimes love our fears. It becomes our best friends. We love our isolation or the stuff that happened in the past. It becomes our best friend because we get so used to those fears. We get so used to just managing our normal lives. But I want to I urge you, Church of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you. It's time to rise. It's time to say, Holy Spirit, do it. We can't do it. We can't just psych ourselves up because then we're going to go into striving. But there's a place, there's a moment where we say, God, We will not allow to be intimidated by what we see around us. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And let's really, really encourage each other. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.